0: who i trust more than anyone at birch gold group text just news to 98 98 98 right now hello america and happy tuesday in fact happy election day tuesday that's right there's an election in 2023 it's not the presidential race but there are some very consequential races and more importantly. I think the strategies that both parties are taking in today's election, whether in Virginia or in Kentucky, in Mississippi, in New Jersey, among key races, there's also some local races in other places, they're a microcosm of the macro strategies that both are going to pursue in 2024 and we're going to have a great conversation today in fact pollster john mclaughlin is going to join us at some point he works as a pollster for president trump but he's got his great finger on the pulse and he's been predicting the sort of things that will work in elections, including the sort of language that Governor Glenn Youngkin has used to neuter or to blunt some of the Democrats' attacks on abortion. And as well as Governor Youngkin's efforts to get early voting started, jump started in a big way for Republicans. And I think those are going to be some very important lessons learned. And we'll, we'll get a measure, a barometer of whether Republicans are up and working on that. We had a great story this morning by my colleague, Nick Ballacy, showing that Republicans have significantly substantially cut into the early voting advantages that Democrats have in the state of Virginia. If that were to hold and Republicans were win, it would prove what a lot of people have been saying for a long time, myself included. I've been arguing that you can't in the 21st century, ignore early voting and let the Democrats run up hundred, 200,000 vote advantages before Election Day, because that's too big a margin to make up when people go to the polls. And so there are certain voters, we call them low propensity voters, that will vote if they're reached at home, but they won't vote if you're asked to go to the polls. I call them couch potato voters, not to be pejorative, but just to give you the image of what needs to be done. And I think Virginia today will tell us whether getting those low propensity voters out early is a game changer for Republicans. What a good state. It's a blue state that turned purple, Thanks to Glenn Young. And It could turn red today if the strategy works. And, and I think that across the board, uh, we'll be able to get some good measures. Daniel Cameron, the Republican Attorney General of Kentucky, if he knocks off Andy Beshear, a very popular Democrat governor in a red state, that will not only be a sign of the problems that Joe Biden's record have in these states, it also is a sign that Donald Trump, who has been all in on both Cameron and Mississippi governor, Tate Reeves, that his uh, endorsement power still has a lot of sway in a general election. Remember, Trump's preferred candidate for Louisiana, who would have been on the ballot today, except he won the jungle primary outright. He got more than 50 percent of the vote in a a 12 or 14-person race. Jeff Landry, the former congressman, the former attorney general, well, he won outright. That was already a win in the column for President Trump. And his team as well as governor-elect landry who has been such a champion of the first amendment in that famous case missouri v biden so you've got the trump dynamic at work how much coattails does donald trump's rising popularity have in these off-year elections daniel cameron will probably almost certainly give us a measure tate reeves will give us a measure tate reeves is running against a descendant of the family of elvis presley so in mississippi that's something Democrats were kind of giddy and investing money there, but it's an awful red state. We'll see if Donald Trump and Tate Reeves can deliver Republicans a win there, whether Democrats pull out a shocker there. If Cameron, who was way behind in the polls a few months ago, but really caught up recently wins, it will be not only a statement about Trump's popularity in the state of Kentucky, but also... Maybe growing dissatisfaction with Joe Biden. Is Joe Biden a millstone around the neck of Democrats because of the economy, because of the foreign policy flubs, because of his age? If it is, you're going to see it in two places. Kentucky, if Bashir were to lose, despite his good popular ratings, and if the Democrats lose control of the Virginia Senate with Glenn Youngkin. And so 2023 on Election Day is a big deal. It's a very big deal because it will tell us whether the strategies that the Republicans and Democrats have employed will work in 2024. This really is the proving grounds for the 2024 electoral strategies. And as you saw over the weekend, Donald Trump up in five of the six battleground states over Joe Biden. That's a big surprise, uh, even before Donald Trump wraps up. The Republican nomination last night, a couple of big on the political front, a couple of big endorsements. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, well, she gave her endorsement to Ron DeSantis and Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave her endorsement to Donald Trump, two of the most powerful emerging, rising female stars of the Republican Party going in opposite directions into the 2024 election. That's not uncommon. That happens every election, but it it is fun to see. Now, we've got a great show for you today. As I mentioned, John McLaughlin, the great pollster, will help us understand what to watch in tonight's election results, and we'll have stem to stern coverage at Just the News all night long. So let's have some fun and enjoy that. Go download the app, the Justin News app from the Android and Apple stores, or just simply go to the website, justinnews.com. We'll also have an election special on Real America's Voice, and we'll have heavy coverage on the election lead up to the closing of the polls on the Justin News No Noise television show on Real America's Voice, Channel 219, Dish Network, Channel 240, Pluto Network on the Roku and Android and iOS apps as well. And you can also just watch it on the Justin News television show. I, I mentioned that because there's a guy you've never heard of who's going to be on the show tonight, but he may be the most important person to the outcome of the Virginia elections. Dr. Mark Campbell, a political strategist, data scientist in my mind, he's so good at data. He's been running the early voter campaign to get low propensity unregistered voters registered voting and through provisional status so that their vote counts early. Remember when people vote for the first time in early voting, sometimes they make mistakes and uh, you have to get past the provisional check. Mark Campbell's been running an extraordinary operation to move people. And uh, we're going to learn from him on the show tonight. So watch the television show, Just the News, No Noise. Amanda Head and I uh, should be a good show. Now, after we have our great conversation with Congressman Ralph Norman, we're going to turn to Mark Morgan, the former Commissioner of the Customs and Border Protection Agency is going to join us. We can't lose sight of the border. The border's on the ballot tonight as well. The People are dealing with the fentanyl crisis and the drug crisis and, and tired of the human trafficking, and tired of the crime that comes with these illegal aliens and their, the gang members that are coming across and the drug dealers and the human traffickers coming across. Mark Morgan's going to help walk us through what's really going on and why these recent arrests of a couple of people who are thinking of carrying out attacks against Jewish targets in the United States are so so alarming. So Mark Morgan to join us in the the second block, and then we'll finish up with John McLaughlin. So Congressman Ralph Norman at the top. He'll talk about Election Day. He'll talk about his effort to confront. Colleges, Ivy League colleges are allowing anti-Semitism and anti-Israel hatred and intolerance on their campuses and inside their faculty. We'll get that and then we'll end up with John McLaughlin at the end and in between Mark Morgan with a great set of interviews about why the border is on the ballot, but also so important. Now, one story I'm going to get to with Ralph Norman, I want to make sure that we... Talk about it in advance, so it makes some sense when we're talking to the congressman. There was a story in Just the News this morning by my great colleague, Stephen Richards, the USAID inspector general, the chief watchdog of the foreign aid agency in the United States government, directly warning that, hey, if you give U.S. humanitarian aid to Gaza, guess what? It's going to be going to Hamas, just like President Trump said, just like Republicans are saying. Well, that independent, nonpartisan watchdog agrees that this is a huge problem. And while that's a theoretical warning, a warning based on experience, there is a true proof that giving money to a country that is controlled by totalitarian, tyrannical leaders does result in the theft of U.S. tax dollars. How do we know that? Well, the Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction, basically the Inspector General Chief Watchdog for U.S. aid to Afghanistan said, hey, the Biden administration gave a lot of money to Afghanistan to help women and children after Joe Biden pulled out and the Taliban took over. Well, guess what? The Taliban set up fake nonprofit organizations, NGOs, as they're called, non-governmental organizations, and they stole the money. So you've got one saying, hey, this could happen in Gaza. And the other one saying it's already happened in Afghanistan and under almost similar type rulers. That's a very important dynamic. And we're going to ask Congressman Ralph Norman about that. So a great show ahead, starting off in a few minutes with Congressman Ralph Norman from the great state of South Carolina, a member of the House Rules Committee. Then we're going to have Mark Morgan, the former head of the Custom Border and Protection Agency. And then we're going to finish up with a little electoral politics on Election Day 2023 with the pollster John McLaughlin. Now, one last thing I'd like to mention before... We go to commercial break. We've got so many great partners and sponsors and advertisers that make what we do at Justin News possible. If you're a little chilly in the house going into the winter season, you're like, hey, there's some air leaking through my windows. I've got a great idea. We've got a brand new sponsor, partner, advertiser renewal by Anderson. Now, if you have put off replacing those windows in your home because it's too expensive, here's some good news. You can now get a free in-home window consultation and free price quote from Renewal by Anderson. By the way, Anderson makes extraordinary windows. Right now, you can save $375 off every window you buy and $750 off every door. Just text "Just News" to... One more time text just news to two zero zero three zero zero for your free consultation on top quality affordable windows now don't wait text the word just news to two zero zero three zero zero and get started today message and data rates may apply reply stop to opt out minimum purchase required interest accrues from date of purchase but is waived if you paid within the promotional period so go to windowappointmentnow.com for the full offer details but to get started just do me a favor. Go say thank you to the great folks at Renewal by Anderson and explore the possibility of getting rid of those darn drafts that come through your creaky old windows. All you got to do is text the word "just news" to two zero zero three zero zero. One more time, just news to two zero zero three zero zero. All right, folks, a quick commercial break. When we come back, the one and only Congressman Ralph Norman from South Carolina up right after these messages. <laughs> who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us justnews. That's amac.us justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or a family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. It is a very different feeling. I was up on Capitol Hill the other day, and since Speaker Johnson took over, there is a sense of optimism, a sense of determination, a sense of progress that hasn't been there really in many, many, I'd say over a decade or more. Republicans really know what the game is, how they're going to play it, and what they're going to be able to deliver to the American people. And that is, I think, going to provide some great momentum. One of the people on the front lines of this, because he sits on the rules committee, he's in the driver's seat on the history that I think Congress is about to make. when I say that, I mean, they're going to actually cut spending. Something hasn't been done in decades. Joining me right now, Congressman Ralph Norman from the great state of South Carolina. Congressman, great to have you on the show.
1: Well, as always, glad to be with you, John.
0: It is great to join you. And I want to say something that I I really felt a difference on Capitol Hill a couple days after Mike Johnson took over, different than maybe any time since the Newt Gingrich era when I was up in Capitol. It feels like Republicans feel good about where they are. There's a consistency in what they're messaging and what they're doing behind the scenes. Am I overestimating what's going on up there right now?
1: No, you really aren't, John. You know, we had our our caucus meeting this morning and I can't tell you the people that it's just a like a load has been lifted, lifted off of us. I mean, and you can boil it down to one word, trust. They trust um, Mike Johnson. And McCarthy just did, did not have that. We knew uh, that as we considered things, he had already had a preconceived notion of how it was going to work out. Today, on the CR that's coming, uh, I'm totally against CRs. But with Mike Johnson at the helm, we know that, he will he he will do what's right for the country, and that's what's what's new. He started off our meeting with, uh, you know, he, and he said up front, we're not lining up speakers uh, to do what I want to do. I want to do what y'all want to do. So it's just a breath of fresh air. The trust is there, and we're going. Are we going to have our rough spots? Yes, but the it's a new day in Congress, and it couldn't couldn't come at a better time as this.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. I I have a funny feeling Democrats are gravely underestimating Mike Johnson, and you know he's so nice on the outside. He's got a velvet touch on the outside, but inside he's a a man forged of steel. I think because of his beliefs and his value system, there is going to be a holding of the line that Republicans traditionally haven't done. I feel like you're, is there a sense that hey, they're really willing to negotiate and they're going to make the Senate bend this time rather than bending to the will of the Senate?
1: That's the message we send in the caucus today. We want to make the Senate own what they, uh, what they do What if it's inaction, let them own it. If it's, I mean, they, they've only uh, only have three of their bills out. We've got seven of the 12 appropriation bills already passed. Uh, this week we'll vote on, transportation, housing, and urban uh, development and financial services and general government. And, you know, it's both these, the financial services and general government are 7% below the fiscal year 21. The T-HUD is, it's actually 3 billion higher, but with offsets it's 25% lower than the uh, fiscal year 23. So, and and you know, the, the, he sent the signal and I told him this this morning, He sent the signal when the aid to Israel was offset and none other than taking the funding from the 80,000 IRS agents. It it doesn't get better than that. Now, is it going to balance the budget? No, but it's a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and listen, any reduction in spending will be historic because there's been a 25-year arc of just every year it goes up, it goes up. And of course, the last four or five years have gone up in such huge amounts. It's almost breathtaking. I want to turn to some other stuff that you do. You are so influential on so many different issues when it comes to foreign aid, a place where we give away tens of billions of dollars to countries that often don't have our best interest in part. There's a lot of discussion now. We need to get humanitarian aid to Gaza. I think the Biden administration has put a big number out there already, but there is some very strong warnings coming from the USAID inspector general that if you give money to Gaza, it is going to end up in Hamas. And at the same time that warning is there, there is proof of an identical scenario in Afghanistan where we gave uh, large amounts of money to Afghanistan that was supposed to go to women and children. And sure enough, just like you predicted, it went to the Taliban. How important are these warnings and will they influence Congress's willingness to approve money for Gaza?
1: What it does is put—it's a willingness that we have to put uh, guardrails to prevent that. I mean, this administration, the Biden administration, last month announced 100 million dollars in so-called humanitarian aid. As you mentioned, the Office of Inspector General, the uh, U.S. Agency of International Development, has warned that there's been a misuse of funds. And why would you why would you keep doing the same thing expecting different results? um and the even the united states relief and, and work agency said that hamas has used schools as rocket depot, uh, depots and they tunnel money uh to their group and this administration is tone deaf to it but you know it goes with the six billion that he wanted to uh, give to iran i mean it's it's almost inco- you know you can't believe this but the man the administration is doing it
0: it is pretty remarkable and i think that Americans are beginning to wake up that our foreign policy has been counterproductive. It's actually resulted in a under Joe Biden into a less stable world, not a more stable world. I think when they voted for him, they think, oh, we're going to get more stability. But they got just the, the opposite. Another place that you're showing extraordinary leadership, and I've heard a lot about these letters, I've read them. They're really remarkable. You sent a bunch of letters to the Ivy League universities regarding the pro-Hamas, anti-Semitic movements on their campuses, Uh, singled out professors, too. And I think that's an important part because it's the professors that, in many ways, injected this into the minds of young, impressionable adults. Have you gotten any responses back? And what's the message you want to get back from these universities?
1: Well, first of all, we sent sent them to five Ivy League schools, Columbia, Cornell, Harvard, uh, Pennsylvania, and Yale. And, John, listen to what, what occurred like in Columbia. You had a tenured professor who has got a job for life who said the assault against Israeli students uh, was awesome. In Cornell, you had a professor who described the attack where people were butchered as exhilarating. Harvard, you had student organizations blaming Israel for the attack. University of Pennsylvania, they hosted anti-Semitic speakers. Yale uh, they had a professor who justified, get this, the Hamas killings, as uh, uh, described it as genocide. They, that Israel was a genocidal state. I mean, it's you can't make this stuff up. We've heard from one Cornell, which basically was a form letter from the president, uh, just saying that she had it under study. And uh, imagine if the same professors made some uh, some statements about about Black Lives Matter, or made statements praising Hitler how uh, that would be perceived by the press. there's no excuse for it, and we sent this letter not just to the president but to the board, and we're going to follow up uh, with those who have not responded and just basically call them out on it and the only way you deal with this Uh, you cut their funding. Hopefully, this will get enough attention that the taxpayers will say enough is enough. We're not funding the endowments and we'll put a stop to it.
0: Yeah, so important. It is, and it's such an important thing. It's amazing how long it was allowed to fester on these these campuses. And it's so good now that the pressures on to make changes, whether it's law firms saying, hey, we're not going to hire your anti-Semitic students, or donors saying we're bailing. One question I think comes up is uh, these professors who get tenure, is there anything Congress can do to try to force universities to punish the bad actors in the faculty who maybe drive a lot of this intolerance and hatred, tying maybe future federal aid to their ability to police their faculty better?
1: Well, part of it is getting the word out. I mean, in America, this has been coming for a long time. And in many cases, the the board and the president, they're the ones that hire these professors and and put up with it. Our job is to let the word out. This is what's what's happening. And then the public uh would hopefully take action against them because they're paying a lot of money. Now, granted they can afford it, but you have a lot of students who have a choice on getting scholarships. There are a lot of schools that provide, uh, you know, have have talented faculty and not faculty that are going to be condoning, you know, murder and butchery, which is what these five universities are condoning. so I'm not sure, I mean, that each school can tenure who they want. I would be in favor of doing away with tenure. In 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 the workforce, none of us are tenured. If we're not doing the job, we get fired.
0: Yeah, that's right. Performance matters from day one to the day we retire. That's that's probably something that might uh be of benefit to universities. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, obviously we have a member of Congress who has repeatedly attacked Israel and embraced the Palestinian extremists. There was an effort to censure Rashida Tlaib a few days ago. That got defeated with a few Republicans crossing over, joining the Dems. A new resolution coming out, Congressman McCormick working with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Tell us the dynamic on that and why it will be important if Congress does make a statement about her sentiments, why that's important to the rest of the country.
1: Well, I mean, you have a representative in the in the House of Representatives who are elected by their people, uh, obviously taking the side of Palestine against America, and the fact that they're doing this ought to be called out. And it just shocks me that you have uh, Republicans, particularly, but really, um, this is not it shouldn't be a partisan issue when you condone what happened to those 1,400 families who were killed were butchered, and then you see the hostages that are on uh, Capitol Hill today, many of which are are testifying in person about the horror that they went through. You have a member of Congress who is taking that position. They ought to be censored, and the debate we're having, and it's amazing we've got the debate as to whether whether to require her to stand in the well uh, if it passed, but we've got Republicans that don't want to do anything, which is really shocking to me.
0: It really is. I I was shocked by the, I guess it was 20 in the last vote. And you would think at this moment in history where we need to condemn hatred and intolerance, that that would be a moment where there'd be unanimity. But I I guess there wasn't. Congressman, what should we expect between now and November 17th? We're going to get another spending bill or two out the door. There seems to be a really strategic approach to what The size of government will ultimately end up being when it's all said and done. What do you think Republicans will be able to accomplish in the fiscal 2024 year? What do you hope the savings look like when we're done?
1: Well, what's going to happen? You'll have the CR, which because of uh, Speaker Johnson, the trust factor will probably extend from January, maybe February. Uh, Later, you know, before we break in November, we'll we'll have probably three uh appropriations you know out the door my hope is that you know the level ought to be you know my initial total number was one point four seven, one trillion four hundred seventy one million. 471 million uh it's probably going to rise to 1 million it's still it's good but it's not good enough but you take baby steps before you run I, my hope uh is that you know when it's on the dust settles uh, in January, and February, that we will have a at least that type of a cut. Uh, the massive cuts kick kick in at one percent, which up up in only in Washington is one percent. Isn't cut, that amazing? Is <laughs> I mean, if I told you you're gonna get ninety nine percent of what you want, John, I think you and I both would be happy. But up here, they act like it's a you know it's a catastrophe when they have to cut one percent, which is it's laughable if it wasn't so serious. But hopefully we'll have some percentage cut that we can measure all across the board. As a, uh, and, and we really should be back to uh, pre-COVID levels, uh, but we're just not there yet. But we'll see what happens.
0: Well, the beginning of the ending of just, – just the beginning of the ending of spending addiction is going to be applauded by American people. They understand that all the spending has – made the gas tank and the grocery cart untenably expensive. And any sign in that direction, I think, is going to be embraced and also make a good contrast going into the, into the 2024 election. Congressman, it is such a great honor. We love watching the work. You're always, uh, you're always in action day and night and uh, doing things that really matter to the American people. Great to have you on today. Well, great to be with. Thank you for what you do, John. Thank you, sir. Good to have you on. All right, folks, we got a good one right around the corner. Mark Morgan, former head of the Customs and Border Protection Agency. We're going to dig into some of these very troubling border statistics and specific cases, uh, some charges and stops over the weekend that should scare all of us. Mark Morgan's going to bring us into that right after these messages. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, Hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? All right, folks. Welcome back for the commercial break. It is a very different feeling. I was up on Capitol Hill the other day, and since Speaker Johnson took over, there is a sense of optimism, a sense of determination, a sense of progress that hasn't been there really in many, many, I'd say over a decade or more. Republicans really know what the game is, how they're going to play it, and what they're going to be able to deliver to the American people. And that is, I think, going to provide some great momentum. One of the people on the front lines of this, because he sits on the rules committee, he's in the driver's seat on the history that I think Congress is about to make. when I say that, I mean, they're going to actually cut spending. Something hasn't been done in decades. Joining me right now, Congressman Ralph Norman from the great state of South Carolina. Congressman, great to have you on the show.
1: Well, as always, glad to be with you, John.
0: It is great to join you. And I, I want to say something that I, I really felt a difference on Capitol Hill a couple of days after Mike Johnson took over, and different than maybe any time since the Newt Gingrich era when I was up in Capitol. It feels like Republicans feel good about where they are. There's a consistency in what they're messaging and what they're doing behind the scenes. Am I overestimating what's going on up there right now?
1: No, you really aren't, John. I, you know, we had our, our caucus meeting this morning and I can't tell you the people that it's just a like a load has been lifted, lifted off of us. I mean, and you can boil it down to one word, trust. They trust um, Mike Johnson. And McCarthy just did, did not have that. We knew uh, that as we considered things, he had already had a preconceived notion of how it was going to work out. Today, on the CR that's coming, uh, I'm totally against CRs. But with Mike Johnson at the helm, we know that, he will he he will do what's right for the country, and that's what's what's new. He started off our meeting with, uh, you know, he, and he said up front, we're not lining up speakers uh, to do what I want to do. I want to do what y'all want to do. So it's just a breath of fresh air. The trust is there, and we're going. Are we going to have our rough spots? Yes, but the, it's a new day in Congress, and it couldn't couldn't come at a better time as this.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. I I have a funny feeling Democrats are gravely underestimating Mike Johnson, and you know he's so nice on the outside. He's got a velvet touch on the outside, but inside he's a a man forged of steel. I think because of his beliefs and his value system, there is going to be a holding of the line that Republicans traditionally haven't done. I feel like you're, is there a sense that hey, they're really willing to negotiate and they're going to make the Senate bend this time rather than bending to the will of the Senate?
1: That's the message we send in the caucus today. We want to make the Senate own what they, uh, what they do. If it's inaction, let them own it. If it's, I mean, they, they've only, uh, only have three of their bills out. We've got seven of the 12 appropriation bills already passed. Uh, This week, we'll vote on transportation, housing, and urban uh, development, and financial services and general government. And, you know, it's both these, the financial services and general government, are 7% below the fiscal year 21. The T-HUD is is actually 3B and higher, but with offsets, it's 25% lower than the uh, fiscal year 23. So... And, and, you know, he sent the signal, and I told him this this morning, he sent the signal when the aid to Israel was offset, and none other than taking the funding from the 80,000 IRS agents. It it doesn't get better than that. Now, is it going to balance the budget? No, but it's a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and listen, any reduction in spending will be historic because there's been a 25-year arc of just every year it goes up, it goes up, and of course, the last four or five years gone up in such huge amounts, it's almost breathtaking. I want to turn to some other stuff that you do. You are so influential on so many different issues when it comes to foreign aid, a place where we give away tens of billions of dollars to countries that often don't have our best interest in part. There's a lot of discussion now. we need to get humanitarian aid to Gaza. I think the Biden administration has put a big number out there already, but there is some very strong warnings coming from the USAID inspector general that if you give money to Gaza, it is going to end up in Hamas. And at the same time that warning is there, there is proof of an identical scenario in Afghanistan where we gave uh, large amounts of money to Afghanistan that was supposed to go to women and children. And sure enough, just like you predicted, it went to the Taliban. How important are these warnings and will they influence Congress's willingness to approve money for Gaza?
1: What it does is put – it's a willingness that we have to put uh, guardrails to prevent that. I mean, this administration, the Biden administration, last month announced $100 million in so-called humanitarian aid. As you mentioned, the Office of Inspector General, the uh, U.S. Agency of International Development, has warned that there's been a misuse of funds. And why would you, why would you keep doing the same thing and expect a different results? Um and they, even the United States relief and, and work agency said that Hamas has used schools as rocket depot uh, depots and that tunnel money uh to their group and this administration is tone deaf to it. But you know, it goes with the six billion that he wanted to uh, give to Iran. I mean it's it's almost inco- you know, you can't believe this, but the man the
0: administration's doing it. It is pretty remarkable and I think that Americans are beginning to wake up that our foreign policy has been counterproductive. It's actually resulted in a under Joe Biden into a less stable world, not a more stable world. And I think when they voted for him, they think, oh, we're going to get more stability. But they got just the the opposite. Another place that you're showing extraordinary leadership, and I've heard a lot about these letters, I've read them. They're really remarkable. You sent a bunch of letters to the Ivy League universities regarding the pro-Hamas anti-Semitic movements on their campuses. Uh he singled out professors too, and I think that's an important part because it's the professors that, in many ways, injected this into the minds of young impressionable adults. Have you gotten any responses back, and what's the message you want to get back from these universities?
1: Well, first of all, we sent them sent to five Ivy League schools, Columbia, Cornell, Harvard, uh, Pennsylvania, and Yale. And John, listen to what What occurred, like in Columbia, you had a tenured professor who has got a job for life who said the assault against Israeli students uh, was awesome. In Cornell, you had a professor who described the attack where people were butchered as exhilarating. Harvard, you had student organizations blaming Israel for the attack. University of Pennsylvania, they hosted anti-Semitic speakers. Yale uh, they had a professor who justified, get this, the Hamas killings, as uh, uh, described that as genocide. They, that Israel was a genocidal state. I mean, this you can't make this stuff up. We've heard from one Cornell, which basically was a form letter from the president, uh, just saying that she had it under study. And uh, imagine if the same professors made some, uh, some statements about about Black Lives Matter or made statements praising Hitler, how uh, that would be perceived by the press. There's no excuse for it. And we sent this letter not just to the presidents but to the board, and we're going to follow up uh, with those who have not responded and just basically call them out on it. And the only way you deal with this, Uh, you cut their funding. Hopefully this will get enough attention that the taxpayers will say enough is enough, we're not funding the endowments and we'll put a stop to it.
0: Yeah, so important. It is, and it's such an important thing. It's amazing how long it was allowed to fester on these <laughs> on these campuses, and it's so good now that the pressure's on to make changes, whether it's law firms saying, hey, we're not going to hire your anti-Semitic students, or donors saying we're bailing. One question I think comes up is uh, these professors who get tenure, is there anything Congress can do to try to force universities to punish the bad actors in the faculty who maybe drive a lot of this intolerance and hatred, tying maybe future federal aid to their ability to police their faculty better?
1: Well, part of it is getting the word out. I mean, in America, this has been coming for a long time. And in many cases, the the board and the president, they're the ones that hire these professors and, and put up with it. Our job is to let the word out, this is what's, what's happening. And then the public uh, would hopefully take action against them because they're paying a lot of money. Now, granted, they can afford it, but you have a lot of students who have a choice on getting scholarships. There are a lot of schools that provide, uh, you know, have, have talented faculty and not faculty that are going to be condoning, you know, murder and butchery, which is what these five universities are condoning. So I'm not sure, I mean, that each school can tenure who they want. I would be in favor of doing away with tenure. In the in the, in the workforce, None of us are tenured. If we're not doing the job, we get fired.
0: Yeah, that's right. Performance matters from day one to the day we retire. That's that's probably something that might uh be of benefit to universities. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, obviously we have a member of Congress who has repeatedly attacked Israel and embraced the Palestinian extremists. There was a effort to censure Rashida Tlaib a few days ago. That got defeated with a few Republicans crossing over, joining the Dems. A new resolution coming out, Congressman McCormick working with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Tell us the dynamic on that and why it will be important if Congress does make a statement about her sentiments, why that's important to the rest of the country.
1: Well, I mean, you have a representative in the in the House of Representatives who are elected by their people, uh, obviously taking the side of Palestine against America, and the fact that they're doing this ought to be called out. And it just shocks me that you have uh, Republicans, particularly, but really, um, this is not it shouldn't be a partisan issue when you condone what happened to those fourteen hundred families who are killed who were butchered, and you see the hostages that are on uh, Capitol Hill today, many of which are are testifying in person about the horror that they went through. You have a member of Congress who is taking that position. They ought to be censored. And the debate we're having, and it's amazing we've got the debate as to whether whether to require her to stand in the well uh, if it passed. But we've got Republicans that don't want to do anything, which is really shocking to me.
0: It really is. I, I was shocked by the, I guess it was 20 in the last vote. And you would think at this moment in history where we need to condemn hatred and intolerance, that that would be a moment where there'd be unanimity. But I guess, <laughs> I guess there wasn't. Congressman, what should we expect between now and November 17th? We're going to get another spending bill or two out the door. There seems to be a really strategic approach to what the size of government will ultimately end up being when it's all said and done. What do you think Republicans will be able to? Accomplish in the fiscal 2024 year. What do you hope the savings look like when we're done?
1: Well, what's going to happen? You'll have the CR, which, because of uh, Speaker Johnson, his, the trust factor, will probably extend from January, maybe February. Uh, later, you know, before we break in November, we'll we'll have probably three uh, appropriations, you know, out the door. My hope is that, you know, the level ought to be, you know, my initial total number was 1.47, Uh It's probably going to rise to one million five hundred twenty. It's still, it's good, but it's not good enough. But you take baby steps before you run. I, my hope uh, is that, you know, when it's, uh, the dust settles uh, in January and February, that we will have a at least that Type of a cut, uh, the massive cuts kick kick in at one percent, which up up in only in Washington is one percent. Isn't cut that
0: amazing? Is <laughs> I
1: mean, if I told you you're gonna get ninety nine percent of what you want, John, I think you and I both would be happy. But up here, they act like it's a you know it's a catastrophe when they have to cut one percent, which is. It's laughable if it wasn't so serious. But hopefully we'll have some percentage cut that we can measure all across the board. As a, uh, and, and we really should be back to uh, pre-COVID levels. Uh, but we're just not there yet. But we'll see what happens.
0: You well, know, the beginning of the ending of just, – just the beginning of the ending of spending addiction is going to be applauded by American people. They understand that all the spending has – made the gas tank and the grocery cart untenably expensive. And any sign in that direction, I think, is going to be embraced and also make a good contrast going into the, into the 2024 election. Congressman, it is such a great honor. We love watching the work. You're always, uh, you're always in action day and night and uh, doing things that really matter to the American people. Great to have you on today. Well, great to be with. Thank you for what you do, John. Thank you, sir. Good to have you on. All right, folks, we got a good one right around the corner. Mark Morgan, former head of the Customs and Border Protection Agency. We're going to dig into some of these very troubling border statistics and specific cases, uh, some charges and stops over the weekend that should scare all of us. Mark Morgan is going to bring us into that right after these messages. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional packed add ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. I'm really kind of proud to have this next guest on because a few months ago, John McLaughlin was on this show and he said, listen, numbers are moving Donald Trump's way. There's something big going on. And the rest of the media were still with polls that were kind of out in a different orbit. Well, The New York Times finally caught up uh, to John McLaughlin this week with an extraordinary roll of polls that showed President Biden behind in five of the six battleground states, only Wisconsin, an outlier and 59 percent of Americans trust Donald Trump over joe biden on the economy according to this poll if that sounds familiar it's because john McGoffin gave that to you those sort of sentiments several months ago with the great work he does and he joins us right now john great to have you back on the show well uh, thank you for for being here and and
2: fortunately the polls are moving donald trump's way because the strategy is working but unfortunately for the country it's working because joe biden is failing and he's failing the United States. Not, I'm not talking about physically, ment- mentally, et cetera. Right. Uh, I mean, 70% of Americans in our last national poll, which was just completed at the end of October, 70% think that the country's on the wrong track. 66 to 28, they say the economy's getting worse, not better. 82% negatively impacted by inflation. 44% to the point that they can't afford basic necessities. So, when you compare Trump's record with Biden's record and that's where full disclosure I work for the Trump campaign and right. and our strategy has been to contrast Trump's record of success on the issues with Biden's failures it's working and as far as the New York Times Siena polls they use a voter list it's registered voters not likely voters our poll nationally is based on likely voters so we have we screen if they're likely to vote so they represent the 160 million people that voted in 2020 or and, you know, that universe was 36 percent Republican and 37 percent Democrat. And, uh, you know, in our national poll where we have Trump leading Biden 48, 43 uh, nationally in the popular vote, there's four percent more Biden 2020 voters than Trump 2020 voters, but we're ahead by five. So there really is now in the electorate a Biden 2020 voter who's flipped back to Trump for 24. And it's precisely because of the economy, immigration, crime, national security. You've got wars in Ukraine and, and uh, Israel that Biden can't seem to stop. And Trump, when he was president, uh, he stopped all those kinds of wars and was pulling us out of the endless wars. Yeah. So uh, the, the tough part is now it's about 70 days to Iowa. January fifteenth, when the primaries start, and then we have a uh, and then we have a uh, uh, a year to go for the country to survive. That Donald Trump will uh, be the next president. So we've got a lot of hard work ahead.
0: That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, John, I wanted to ask you about some of these issues that Joe Biden has, for lack of better terms, stepped in it on because he's got a voter base that is very split on things like Israel and the conflict with Hamas. You've got long, younger voters who are more pro-Palestinian and they see the, the very mushy messaging from the Joe Biden administration with respect to that conflict. And that young voter base, that was something that Joe Biden claimed strongly in the 2020 election. And it makes me wonder if in just that demographic alone, not, never, never even mind the shifting demographics and the shifting numbers with Hispanic voters and black voters, just that younger segment of voters, is that enough to shift things dramatically away from Joe Biden and towards Donald Trump?
2: It is. And, and, and I'll tell you, the, the with a lot of those young voters, they're more independent and they're more Democrat than they are Republican. But there was more independence there. But that's the let's that's the uh, let's go Brandon voters who they're tired. They were tired during the lockdowns with covid. They they didn't they, they, they really didn't like the government regulations. And now they're finding that if they want to buy a car or truck, it costs them a third more than it does if they try to buy a home. Uh, the mortgage payments, uh, where the interest rates are 8%, have gone from $1,300 a month to, say, uh, $2,600 a month. So they, and plus, you know, the African-American voters you're talking about, in our last national poll, we were getting 29% of, of the black vote, and it's because of inflation. If you, if you buy gas or you buy food, like young people do, um, you try to go out, your dollar's not going as far. So uh, uh, so those young voters are coming around. and Granted, they went for Biden uh, significantly last time. And it's a more diverse younger generation. But this time, a lot of them are coming back and they are intertwined with African-American voters and Hispanic voters who are leaving the Democrat Party because they're rejecting their failed policies. So, uh, you know, Biden tries to get them back by bribing them with uh, paying off student debt or student loans. But you know what? A lot of them haven't gone to college and a lot of them have paid for it themselves. And and they, you know, they like Trump's been very specific about his policies. And even last week, he's coming out with a plan to, you know, have some sort of university where uh, their college will be paid and he'll be taxing the endowments of these large universities that really don't teach uh, a lot of good young Americans about patriotism or about civics or, or instead they're out there with Hamas and that by the way, your point about Hamas, that's a Democratic Party problem. The rest of the country's independent voters, these Republican voters, they're pro-Israel they're pro-America. Right. There's something right. going on inside the Democrat Party where they're more favorable to socialism, younger voters, and they're more favorable to the enemies of America than they are to our own values and our own and our own freedoms. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so the Democratic
0: Party has a big problem with their own younger voters. Yeah, that yeah. is so true. It is you see it in so many different ways, anecdotally, and now in the polling data. John, I want to talk about tomorrow night. We got these uh, off-year elections, which seem to be much more important because they're a microcosm of the macro strategies that the two parties are going to use, right? Democrats can't run on Joe Biden, so they're going to run on abortion. Republicans who eschewed early voting now are putting it in a big way in Kentucky, and particularly in Virginia with Glenn Youngkin. What are you looking for for telltale signs tomorrow night?
2: Well, I think I think uh, uh, in Kentucky you have a move because even though Bashir's trying to pr- – Portray himself as a moderate Democrat. He's still a Joe Biden Democrat. Yep. And Donald Trump has been doing things to endorse uh, Cameron, and he's a he's an up and coming. Uh, uh, t- he's been the Attorney General, so you know that would be a big upset. That's the one I think most people are watching. The Democrats are hoping they hold on to it. On the other hand, six out of ten voters in that state will right. vote for Donald Trump next year. Right. And if they want to have coal mining jobs, energy jobs, if they want to have cheap gas. And, and uh, they're going to vote for uh, Cameron. And in Mississippi, Tate Reeves should be able to win. And then in New Jersey and Virginia, you've got the state legislatures up. So the Republicans are looking to win the state Senate in uh, Virginia. And that would be important and particularly important to Governor Yunkin. And in New Jersey, you know, they're looking to make a dent in the majorities there. In New York, by the way, there's uh, there's elections yeah. at the municipal level. And by the way, one stat I just got back from the early voting in New York in Nassau County, which is a county that went 10 points for Joe Biden and is an eight point Democrat registration county right outside of New York City, big county. Uh, the Republicans have a one point edge in the early voting over the Democrats. So they're coming out heavier. So tomorrow will be a big day because that's when most Republicans do come out. Oh, that's um, amazing. And that's Yeah. So so it's like Republicans, you know, are learning to certainly bank with their vote, compete with the Democrats. But the real, what's really driving is the issues. If you want to put up with the, an open border, higher crime, ridiculously higher prices with inflation, because they tell us inflation's going down, but it's not. And Bidenomics, uh, in our last national poll, 28% of the voters were favorable to Bidenomics, 44% unfavorable. So, uh, even the Democrats aren't hanging in with them on that, that one. So if, if, you know, and plus the younger voters, on Amanda's point, there's, there's a perception and a fear we're seeing percolating among younger voters that if Biden fails, they may bring back the draft because they're not hitting their recruitment goals. Yeah. So, you know, that would, you know, certainly change the military. But I think I think they're not hitting their recruitment goals because. A lot of the uh, uh, younger voters don't want to be in a military that's not about winning wars and keeping America safe and free, so uh, or staying out of war. So, uh, uh, so it's a dangerous world right now, and 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 younger voters, older voters, they're all realizing it. But yeah. I wish the election was tomorrow between Biden and Trump. Trump would be the president. <laughs> we've got a year to go. All
0: right, folks, that wraps up today's edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from. Just the news. We're gonna have wall-to-wall coverage tonight on justthenews.com on the Just the News Android and Apple apps. We will have that election covered. Day to day we'll let you know what happens in the Virginia legislature. We'll let you know what happens in the pivotal Kentucky governor's race, the Mississippi's governor's race, New Jersey races, some local New York missibles. We'll let you know how abortion played and how the early voting efforts of Republicans to catch up to Democrats on early voting, how that went, that is worth tuning in. Now, Now, also, one more time, if you want to say thank you to one of our newest sponsors Renewal by Anderson and also check out the possibility of getting new windows that don't leak air get rid of those creaky air leaking windows we've got a great free opportunity to get a consultation a free price quote and by the way you'll get $375 off every window and 750 off every door all you got to do is text the word just news to 2003001 one more time just news to 200300 to get started with that free consultation all right We'll be back tomorrow morning with election results, like we always do the morning after an election. And if you need a fix before, then go to justthenews.com or the Just the News apps on the Android and Apple stores. We'll have you covered with all of the most important developments all night long. All right, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation, the way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis